performed at funerals until fairly recently uh, in church history uh, because as you read through the psalm it is a a psalm of of true joy and celebration actually in light of the goodness of the Lord to his people as supremely our Lord Jesus is our shepherd and we are his sheep one uh, recent book that has uh, inspired me uh, to speak on this subject is uh, one recently uh, published by uh, David Gibson called uh, The Lord of Psalm 23. Um, he's written quite a lot of different different things, especially on Ecclesiastes. He's written some excellent things as well, uh, which is a, they are some, some real gems to read. Uh, and if, uh, if you're in a hard place in life, or even actually if you're in a really good place with the Lord in life, it is a wonderful, encouraging book uh, to get your hands on. And so as we, we think about really this psalm, uh, the introduction to the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, there really are three questions that, that flow out of it, three, three points, three questions to ask ourselves from it. Firstly, who is the Lord? Secondly, where is the Lord? And lastly, what does the Lord call us to? So the first part is, who is the Lord? Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, the Psalm of David, uh, when we speak of the, the shepherd aspect, it's actually the word Lord that we want to focus on here because it, it focuses and really has echoes of the Exodus uh, as the Lord is the, the shepherd of Israel. He is the one who would lead his people out of the land Uh, the land in in Egypt in slavery and bring them to a place where they would lack nothing and find rest for their souls. That would obviously be uh, for the people of Israel, the promised land. And the promised land is described in one of the Psalms uh, as a place where the Lord would spread a table of goodness uh, for them. It also comes, Psalm 23 obviously comes immediately after Psalm 22 which has those famous words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's something really of the the context of this psalm. And so it really helps us to answer the question of who the Lord is. Yes, he is described as as a shepherd, as we see, but you see the word Lord is all caps. And the word Lord, the description of the Lord is Yahweh, the, the Lord of the covenant. The one who revealed himself to Moses back in Exodus in the burning bush. Uh, When Moses asked, who are you? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. Because this is the description of the Lord. He is the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. He is the Lord of all creation. He is the maker of heaven and earth. And he is not like the gods of the lands, the the gods of other nations, who promises to do certain things in certain places to certain people. No, he is the Lord of all things. And there is no other like him. And as he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd because he, he lacks nothing the psalmist david lacks nothing because ultimately the lord in himself lacks nothing therefore he can say with this great boldness and even in defiance if you like 
despite his circumstances, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I lack nothing. Because the Lord is like a bottomless well that never runs dry. The Lord, he is the fount of all life, truth, and beauty. He is the one who creates all things and sustains all things. And he is this wonderful Lord for David. But as we ask ourselves, how is it that we might affirm these amazing words as well? That the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It's only really through our true, eternal King of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we too, along with David, can affirm this verse in our hearts. As the Lord of all things, Jesus Christ came as our good shepherd, as the final shepherd to save us, not from slavery in Egypt, but from slavery to our sins, that we too would see him as our all-sufficient Lord, that he would be my Lord and my shepherd. The one who made everything and needs nothing at all from any of us. And so that by trusting in him, when we first come to him and then when we come to him each day, we are reminded actually that he is the one of all life. He is the one that provides everything. He is the Lord. And in that way, we can find rest for our tired, weary, and thirsty souls. Because maybe today, when we think of our our own day-to-day interactions, especially thinking of technology and social media, we swim in a world really where the thought that, that God is all we need seems perhaps at times maybe even naive to some people. Maybe even we think that at times. I lack nothing. Really? I lack nothing? On first appearance, perhaps it actually might seem that we have everything. We're a very wealthy people, really, when we look across the world. But maybe as we look on our phones and again online, we think, well, actually, maybe I, maybe I do lack things. Maybe I do lack something. Maybe the people that I look at online, maybe they seem to have everything that, that I don't. They don't seem to have struggles, which I do. Why is it that they seem happy and and, and I'm not? When we take our eyes off Christ, then we become busy and distracted. And often we start to become judgmental, forgetting actually that that there is a day of judgment. The issue with technology especially is that we become distracted. We forget the reality of eternity, that there is an eternal day of judgment there is an eternal reality and yet as we look at the lord he calibrates our hearts as we look to our good shepherd we can meditate on the reality the reality of actually without him we are but sinners but with him we are brought together to know our lord brought peace to our souls through him knowing jesus and trusting in him means that we can say along with David with full confidence and assurance, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Because I follow the one in whom there is no lack. For he is the great I am. And he is my shepherd. Before we 
we think of praising him, we also have to be mindful as well as we think of maybe the past week, maybe even today, thinking, actually, we haven't really believed this in our hearts, that we, we don't lack anything, that we haven't looked to him to lead us in everything. So let's just take a, a moment of quiet just to confess our sins before the Lord, to say sorry for the times in which uh, we have led our own lives, not been led by him. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would forgive us because as it says in Isaiah, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And so, Father, we pray that you would forgive us for the times in which we stray. We stray from your path, from your way, uh, from the things that we know to be good and right and instead live our own way. We pray that you would forgive us for all our sins against you but we thank you lord that as we read in isaiah that he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed lord we thank you that because of what you've done for us on the cross that we can come to you come to you as forgiven people and follow you as our good shepherd. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As we think of uh, the Lord who is my shepherd, he, who is the Lord is the first question. The second question is where the Lord is. Where the Lord is. You see that from uh, verses uh, 2 to 4. As you read there with me. He makes... He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As you scan your eyes there over verses 2 to 3, there you see all that the Lord does. In verse 2, he He makes me lie down. He leads. He refreshes. He guides. And amazingly in verse 4, David says, You are with me. You are with me. As we look over these verses, we ask ourselves, What do we have to do here? What's the call to action? And we read them and actually, there is no call. We don't have to do anything. It's all the work of God, our good and gracious shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He guides me. God is working in in David's life, reassuring him of all that he is doing. As he, the Lord, is at work in our lives in the very same way, in my life and in yours. And it's only really uh, when we see the first person pronoun I in verse 4, where David says, even though I walk in the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. And why not? Why does he not fear evil? Because, he says, you are with me. You are with me. This was the case uh, for the people of Israel, as the Lord led them by a a pillar of fire at night and a cloud of smoke during the day. And he was with them like a shepherd as he led them 
in the wilderness. But today in Christ, God is with us, not by fire or by a cloud, but by his Holy Spirit. He is our comforter. He is with us today by his Spirit. He is our peace. And this peace is the Lord. Is what the Lord Jesus promised to leave with his disciples. This is the same peace that we can enjoy today. The peace of God. And how do we obtain this peace? How do we know the peace of God for ourselves? Is it by trying to push out the, the bad thoughts that we have? The things that we've done? Maybe hoping to not dwell on them too much? Is it by maybe doing some exercises or practices that will promise peace, but often they never do because the thoughts come back. No, we don't work to gain this peace. We receive it with open hands and soft hearts. Because we know the presence and peace of God in our lives through the Lord Jesus as our good shepherd. As our good shepherd, Jesus didn't walk into the valley of the shadow of darkness. No, in loving obedience to the Father, Jesus walked into the valley of death as he experienced the hell of the wrath of God for us on that cross. All our sins were poured out upon him at the cross. That the wrath of God would be satisfied and that in him, by trusting in him, we would have peace, the peace of God as the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And therefore his his rod and his staff, they comfort us. They bring us comfort. And yet they also will at times bring us correction. Because like a, a loving father, sometimes the Lord will discipline us. Like a sheep when it wanders off and goes into a ditch, the shepherd does not want it to be harmed. And so in that sense, we accept correction from the Lord because Like a father, he doesn't wish his children to stumble into a ditch. In the same way, our good shepherd leads us and corrects us through the rod of his word that we would come back onto that path and enjoy comfort and peace in his presence. Because where else can we go other than his presence when life is at times overwhelming to us? We can go to those who promise peace, the false shepherds you could call them, Maybe a shepherd that might lead us to the fridge to try and find comfort in food. But we know it never really satisfies us. Maybe it's to to go online, to look at pornography, to go to alcohol or drugs or to escapism in all its various ways. But our good shepherd calls us to himself. That in his presence, we would find rest and refreshment for our souls. Because in Christ, the Lord is my shepherd. And I will, I will not fear. I will not fear for what tomorrow brings. Because you, Lord, are my shepherd. And you are with me. That is the wonderful reality that we enjoy as we follow him. Let's just spend some time. I'd love to just open it up to, to prayer as we think of giving thanks to our Lord, looking over these verses, especially verses 2 to 4, giving thanks to who our shepherd is and where he is as well. So let's just spend a few moments now just uh, giving thanks to God in prayer together. Let's open it up.
Father God, want to just praise you and thank you for um, being our loving Heavenly Father, being our good shepherd. Thank you that you are there to provide all that we need, and yet, Lord, so often we look um, for to be filled with other things, Lord. We ask, Father, that you would keep our eyes set on you. We ask that you would help us to be satisfied because you long to satisfy all of our needs. And Father God, we pray that you would help us to um, just share the good news of who you are, that all those that we know might be satisfied too. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we look at the Lord is my shepherd, we see who the Lord is, uh, where the Lord is, and lastly, we're going to look at what the Lord calls us to. What the Lord calls us to. You see there in verse uh, 5 to 6, the last two verses, uh, the psalmist David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. Many uh, commentators, when you look them up, they disagree on what exactly this is referring to. Uh, one says that the, the Lord lays a table for his people Israel with the enemy nations around uh, another idea is from Second Samuel, where David is on the run from Absalom, uh, is literally, and he's literally fed by soldiers uh, when he's being hunted by them, or being hunted. Uh, but the, the vagueness, or the, the sort of the, the idea, actually, that we, we're not actually sure what this means, does actually help us to apply it in a much wider way, uh, in a variety of ways. Is, is the principle is really that the Lord provides for His people in challenging times, as the Lord. In, with the people of Israel, he, he leads really what is a, a rebellious, a, a stubborn people, a sinful people, out of Egypt. And he provides for them all along the way, surrounded by their enemies. And as we think of the, the Lord Jesus, that's also true for him as well. He sits at the table with tax collectors and sinners, surrounded by the enemies who are the scribes and the Pharisees. And as we Today, as we think of the Lord's table, as we celebrated that this morning, 
It's a reminder for all that we enjoy as well as we come to the Lord's table. Jesus' body broken for us, his blood shed for us, that we would no longer become or no longer be enemies of God, but be welcomed to the table to enjoy a meal with Jesus. Because he has shown us mercy and goodness and grace that we would be able to take the bread and the wine and enjoy a meal with our Lord. Tim Chester in his little book, Life with Jesus, he, he speaks about it this way. He says, throughout the Bible, God promises to be with his people in a special way to comfort, guide and protect them. He says we particularly experience his presence presence when we gather together as God's people. We hear the voice of God when the word is preached. Perhaps we feel his presence as we sing together. But above all, we enjoy Christ's presence in communion. Paul describes it as the Lord's table in 1 Corinthians 10. Jesus himself is the host when we celebrate communion. He invites us to eat with him as a sign of his love to us as tim chester says a good husband will tell his wife he loves her and christ tells us that he loves us in the gospel message but a good husband will also hug his wife as a physical demonstration of his commitment to her and communion is christ's reassuring hug to us because friends when we come to the lord's table it reminds us of the love of jesus for us as we look to him we're reminded of all the blessings that come to us as david says you anoint my head with oil the bountiful blessing of anointing and this was a a practice that was was done um, in old testament you see it a few times where god's uh, king or the, the, the king of israel was anointed and david was anointed as the king of israel and he was Uh, given this blessing with the the oil poured upon his head. He is uh, that king of Israel at that time. And yet as we think of the Lord Jesus, he is the true anointed one. Because the anointed one means Messiah, the Christ. Jesus is the, the Christ. He is the Messiah. The one who would give himself for the sins of his people. And that really reminds me of a, of a passage that we looked at uh, through the week, really, uh, as elders from Matthew 26. Uh, the woman with the, with the nards, the, the expensive perfume, she uh, approaches Jesus with the alabaster jar of perfume worth 300 denarii, which is around uh, 50,000 US in today's money. And she poured it out upon Jesus' head, much to the consternation of the disciples who thought it was a complete waste. But she recognized who Jesus was. He is the Lord's anointed. He is the Messiah. And so her response was one of total abandonment, adoration, praise, and generosity. And really that should be our response too when we see who Jesus is for ourselves. As our cup overflows with the love of God. For when we see Jesus for who he truly is, he is the Messiah, that we can worship him with an an abundance, with a generous heart. 
we can extend that same generosity, this generosity of spirit, a heart of abundant grace to one another. And so friends, as we reflect on these verses in verses 5 and 6, let's see how we might be those people. People who are generous of heart, seeking to pour out blessing upon others. Our attitude towards other people would be that of encouragement as we look to the Lord Jesus and all that he has done for us. That we would lead praise-filled and generous lives. It's easy, perhaps at times, through the hardships and the difficulties and the struggles of life to become cold and stingy. But as we think of the love of Jesus, let us respond with warmth and generosity to one another. Let our cups overflow because the Lord is good. He is not just good. He is good, 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 good all the time. His loving kindness endures forever. That is where he invites us to. He invites us to a banquet with him in his majestic presence forever. As we see there in the end of the psalm, as David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is what we look forward to. That is what we can meditate on when things are hard. Dwelling on the fact that we will be in the presence of the Lord. Our cups will overflow as we rejoice in our King, our Shepherd, and our companion, the Lord Jesus. As we think of that picture, let me close really uh, from the words, just uh, from the song, The King of Love My Shepherd Is, just from the, the very end of this, this book, David, uh, sorry, yeah, David, he finishes just with these words. The King of Love My Shepherd Is, whose goodness fails me never. Nothing I lack if I am his and he is mine forever. Where streams of living waters flow, a ransomed soul he leads me. And where the richest pastures grow, with food from heaven feeds me. Perverse and foolish I have strayed, but in his love he sought me. And on his shoulder gently laid, and home rejoicing brought me. In death's dark veil I fear no ill, with you, dear Lord, beside me. Your rod and staff my comfort still, your cross before to guide me. You spread a banquet in my sight of grace beyond all knowing, and oh, the wonder and delight from your pure chalice flowing. And so through all the length of days, your goodness fails me never. Good shepherd, may I sing your praise within your house forever. And let me just finish with the the verses 5 and 6 from the psalm. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.